You're listening to the Sixers Beat with your host, Derek Bodner, right here on LibertyBallers.com and LibertyBroadcast.co. Welcome, everybody. This is Derek. I'm joined by Kyle and Rich on the latest Sixers Beat. You know, we looked at the schedule this week. We said... Thursday is probably a good day to record a podcast. We'll do that when we go to practice. And lo and behold, that happens. And guys, I just love it when a plan comes together. I love it. <laughs> but really elaborate plan, too. You know, real quick, subscribe to podcasts, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn Radio app. Leave us a rating or review. We're getting a, we're getting, we're getting a good amount, but we'd like more. Um, jumping right into it, six of one, four out of five. They're four and four on the season. They're at 500 for the first time in four years. Not bad. Not bad basketball lately. This is, uh, I mean, we had, we had a conversation last night as we were leaving the Wells Fargo Center that it's almost disappointing that they're four and four, which is crazy to say because they've been in a few other close games. The Houston one stands out the most that they they collapse at the end of that. The fact that they could legitimately be five and three or six and two given the caliber of teams they opened the season against. I mean, that that speaks very highly of how they're playing right now. Yeah, it's very realistic. And like you said, there's some really tough teams that they've gone up against and, and played well with the one exception of that Toronto game, and everybody can draw a conclusion of why that is. They've been in every game, really. Yeah, it's it's been a really good start. But I think before we get into that, we need to talk about the – one issue in Sixers land right now, which, by the way, I mean, as we always say, like, it, if the Sixers are involved, there's always something. <laughs> like, it, it's, it can never be the team playing pretty good basketball, the young guys showing out, um, sleepwalking through a win, which is something we've never really seen here in the last four years. But of course, the, uh, there's one, uh, big elephant in the room or one, uh, Slim down elephant <laughs> in, the, in the room. I would put it that way. It would not be a Sixers beat if we didn't if we didn't have some controversy to discuss. I promise. I swear to God, we will talk about basketball on the court between the lines. Basketball at some point in this podcast. I know we haven't done that yet this year. We're eight games into it, but we do have to address that. Uh, uh, well, we do have to address the Okafor situation. You know, obviously he came. We all talked about this. You can go back to our podcast in, in July. And we were talking about how the the, uh, the fourth-year rookie option for Okafor is probably not going to be picked up. $6.3 million closer. They're getting to a to a max contract next summer and picking that up for a guy who, you know, fourth true center on the depth chart, fifth if you count Dario Scharch playing, uh, playing small ball center. It just was never going to happen. But since that happened, Jaleel has decided that he is going to speak out. Talked to reporters earlier this week. Basically said he wants a buyout. He wants a trade whole bunch of other loaded statements, uh, including the fact that he didn't feel like Brian Colangelo cared about his career. So we'll just start off with that topic. What was your major takeaway? First of all, were we a little surprised on the tact Okafor t- took just because he's never really done that before. And what was your major takeaway from it? My major takeaway is that we're sitting here talking about a fifth string center when the Sixers are 500 after eight games. I, I, I don't want to belittle... Jaleel because I know this is a tough situation for him he hasn't really been in an ideal spot from the moment he got here but ultimately he's like 
I can't bring myself to care that much. He's not that good at basketball. If he was good <laughs> at basketball, or good, he would be contributing. He would be in the rotation. I think the idea that, like, does anyone honestly think that if Jaleel Okafor was outperforming Amir Johnson in practice and preseason in whatever format you want to talk about, that Brett would go to Amir in the rotation above a guy they could develop to be a high-level backup or a real trade chip. No, that that's not what would happen. Jaleel would be out there if they thought he had any value to this team short or long-term. That has clearly been signaled that they don't. Rashawn Holmes has been injured. He's going to come right back in and fight for that spot with Amir to a higher degree than Jaleel was while being healthy for the entire preseason and having slimmed down. He's he's not good enough. Now, like that's a that's a separate conversation from whether Brian Colangelo should have pulled the trigger. As you said, Derek, yes. they knew they knew months ago they weren't picking up this option. This is basically just a big charade that they wanted to leave it till the last second, hoping to squeeze extra value out of this. Take a second round pick if you can get it and move the hell on. That's done. He's not playing here. He's not contributing here. Move on and just let everybody reset. Yeah, I will, I will. So people saying that this is like outside of Jaleel's control or like I feel sorry for him as a human being, but as a basketball player, you know, he had 2,700 minutes over his first two years yeah. to show he deserved playing time. Maybe you should have gave a little more effort on defense before it got to the point where you weren't playing anymore. Completely on board with you there. What are you going to do? It's like, like you said, if he was showing anything in practice, they'd be playing they, him. They don't dislike He's a good kid. They they constantly say that it's not like that this isn't a the Nerlens Noel situation where there are some concerns with his attitude and how he's carrying himself they've done nothing but praise how Jaleel has handled this so this is strictly about basketball in terms of him getting on the court he can't get on the court because he hasn't been good enough in their eyes that's flat out the bottom line so as much again Brian Colangelo and the front office and Sam Hankey, frankly, the previous regime, they they deserve blame for him being here and being in the spot that he's in. But he also is not blameless here. He's just, like you said, Derek, if he gave a, a damn about defense, even a little bit, if he gave a damn about rebounding even a little bit over the last couple of years, we wouldn't be having this conversation. He's been a terrible player. So far, like, and, and everything Kyle said about the kid is true. And that's what I'm going to talk about a little bit. Uh, by the way, it was pretty funny today. We're, we're taping about an hour after a, uh, a media availability after practice in which Joel Embiid, who was not practicing today, and that means not talking to the media, walked over to us and with a big smile on his face screamed, y'all want to talk to Ja? He's got some shit to say. <laughs> In reference to uh, Okafor basically sounding off on Colangelo yesterday. Um, and, of course, we didn't get Ja today. But, you know, I do feel bad for him as a person. And I think specifically the point when he said uh, that Colangelo told him, I don't want to give you away for nothing. Well, you just declined his option. Right. You've, you've so, given him away for nothing. You're not. So that's going to happen at the end of the season, whether you like it or not. Um, and I like Colangelo, like he's not, I, I would imagine he's not stupid. Like he knows that Ja isn't really 
helping a team this year. So if it's, I know the Celtics were rumored, like he's not going to help a team win this year. Ja would have to sort of find a team that has minutes that he can play a developing team for him to work out the kinks specifically defensively. Um, and, and I feel bad for him for that. And I think, you know, the conversation Colangelo, it is clear that he should, he should have taken a deal by now. You know, he probably should have taken a deal that first summer he got here. That's we're when about, his, we're about 16 months past when he should have taken yeah. a deal. And I mean, you know, it, it's clear that he's still, you know, it, as soon as the trade deadline last year, a trade never materialized. I, I get the idea, you know, for whatever's on the table, they don't want to take any sort of long-term money back. But at this point, like, I, I do think a buyout or some other type of move, you know, a trade for, you know, even a nothing second-round pick would make sense to just honestly, like, if anything, just build some goodwill around the league. Like, look, th- this guy isn't playing. He's disgruntled. We're going to give him his wish and set him free. Speaking of goodwill, one of the one of the more striking comments that he made, uh, let me pull it up here. I'll... So yeah, this quote from Ja, I'm going to continue to be professional, but at some point I have to defend myself, and this is my career, and I'm not sure he, he meaning Brian Colangelo, cares about that. I think that's kind of evident at this point. So you go back to the last trade well, deadline. if he's going to defend himself, maybe he should defend oh, the rim, oh, too. Oh, oh. <laughs> Fair point. You go back to the last trade deadline, and Maryland's Noel... I believe what he said was he, he never had one conversation with Colangelo the entire time he was there, uh, which, you know, at that point in February would have been, what, 10 months? Uh, you go back to Markel Fultz's agent leaking on the record publicly that he can't lift his arms, and you can you can clearly see a little bit of discord there. Colangelo even said he didn't know why the agent went directly to the press. And now you have this situation where you have a player just flat out saying he doesn't think the GM cares about his career and, you know, another point in there, he says, you know, that he was told that he's not going to be bought out because then he wouldn't get anything for him. It, I hate bringing this up a year and a half later, but Sam Hankey was killed for treating players like assets. Holy shit, this is the relationship guy, and he's out here just pissing everybody off. It's, it's, and there, I'm sure there's more to it than that. I'm sure every GM pisses people off, but whew, this is not the greatest look for the team. Yeah, again, I just keep coming back to it's the fifth string center at this point. He will be inactive, honestly, probably when Holmes is healthy tomorrow. I I don't know if he'll make the active roster. I don't, I don't care about the fifth string center. I do like, care about how Yeah, players- right, the perception is bad, and that's why I said just trade him for whatever you can get, even if it's, a like Rich said, a nothing second-round pick. Top 55 that- protected, <laughs> one of those. Yeah. That's just like – what are we doing at this point? There's no know. reason we should even be having this conversation. Well, I mean, it, you guys brought up a good, I think it was Kyle. Everybody in the league knew this option wasn't being picked right. up. It's an open secret. You, you knew that once that came, once that deadline passed, you lost all leverage. I don't, I just, I don't know what the end goal is here. It was, uh, it was surprising too, to see Julio come out that strongly against Colangelo because it, you know, it was brought up to him yesterday. Like, Hey, you took the completely different, approach than what Nerlens took. Nerlens was very publicly unhappy. And I'm not saying either way is right or wrong. You know, I think from the team standpoint, they would obviously prefer what Ja did. He was the professional. He was a trooper. Uh, but you can tell he's fed up at this point. And again, like, you know, to bring it back to like, he, I'm not sure to bring it back to his encore play. I'm not sure like what situation is a great 
place for him to land. Like right. he wants to go to different teams. Like I'd be curious. I, I would imagine he would get picked up by somebody, but like, I'm not sure like the, the list or the, the line is as long as Ja might envision. Um, but yeah, he, you know what, at this point, like, look, he's the four string center. He's the fifth string center. If you, as you know, they, they start to play small ball with Sarich more over Ja. like this needs to end. And, you know, like, look, this is what the, uh, this is what the process is about. Like sometimes you're going to hit on picks. We're about to talk about them in a couple minutes here, hopefully. And sometimes you're going to miss. And it's it's a bummer. It would have been nice to uh, – I don't want to get you two in an argument over uh, Porzingis here. <laughs> uh, that Twitter back and forth uh, has been entertaining I didn't even week. argue. That was just Derek. <laughs> okay. Making hey, points hey, on hey, his own. Hey, relax here. Uh, now, bring this back. Your very surprising comments from Ja. The most, the most fight he's shown since Boston. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, man. That's rough. Wow. And uh, yeah, you, you're right. The process is about hitting and missing sometimes, but that doesn't mean you hold on to a depreciating asset 16 months past his expiration date. But here we are. All right, let's talk about something a little rosier because by God, I can't do that all day. I think yeah. I resorted, res- resorted the jokes just because I was losing my mind. Joel Embiid, I think over those last four, last five, over the stretch where they're, they're four and one, averaging 23 and a half points, like nine rebounds, three and a half assists, shooting like 60% from the field. Ben Simmons practically a triple-double every night. Is this, I mean, if we would have gone through, uh, I, I would have loved for, if we would have done like our first month averages for these guys because it never would have been 27, 28 minutes a game for Joel and it never would have been a he damn triple-double. last night. That yeah. was crazy. It never would have been a near triple-double with almost 20 points a game from, from Simmons. It has been a, It has been a remarkable run. And I think to me what has stood out is there is a clear point in games when it shifts from, all right, we're we're moving the ball around the perimeter, we're getting everybody involved, to we're going to run two-man game and we're going to force teams to stop us. Because, I mean, you've seen this in a few consecutive games now where it gets into even the late third quarter, but especially the fourth quarter. They'll run that pick and roll with Simmons and Embiid and Simmons will throw a pass that, Nobody on that court is reaching except for Joel, and it's either a a dunk, a layup, or a foul on almost every time. And I I love guard play and all that, but you see why teams will roll the dice on guys with size, with centers, even when they're unpolished. Because when you have a guy like Embiid that has the skill level he does and is so big. It's impossible to guard him at the rim. I think every single one of his makes last night in the fourth quarter were all within three feet. They're out there, either a layup or a dunk, or he got to the free throw line. And that's part of the frustration when a lot of fans have been yelling that Joel needs to get on the block and not shoot so many threes. And I don't really agree with that because he does need to drag guys out to the perimeter sometimes, but... I can sympathize when you see them get down there in the paint and just absolutely unload on teams in crunch time. That is a a scary sight. From a team standpoint, last night's win was impressive because they were so unimpressive for much of the game. Like they gave up 68 points in the middle two two quarters. Like if they did that in past years, that is a that's a, a death ro- sentence. That's a road to an ass kicking. Uh, and to see Brett last night talk about, oh man, our defense wasn't good in the in the middle two quarters, and, and sort of be harping on that, 
while also looking over a 10 point victory. Like that's, that's encouraging. And then, I mean, you know, Embiid, I think we all knew how good he is. I, Ben Simmons, I cannot believe how good he is right away. Like I knew he was going to be good. This is, this is mind blowing. Like the, the decisions he makes out of the pick and roll already are like, I, you know, I, it's yeah. astounding. It's unbelievable. Last night, too, the Hawks uh, went way under the screen. They were the first team who uh, who really decided, like, look, we're not going over the screen. We're going to play you like sort of like LeBron in the 2013 finals. Like, we're going way under Budenholzer. They were ready for it. And he made them pay. Like, nice floaters, some good passes to Embiid. Like I, and then that dunk last night, like that, that was ridiculous. That's an in-game dunk, man. Like that, it, he was floating. Like it, it seemed like he went up another level in the air. And I think he even said that after the game, he's like, Oh man, I'm, I'm a pirate. And I thought I, I was going to be, I, I might as well dunk this. I rewatched that too. When I got home, I don't think it did justice to what that looked like in person. Cause he just like, from the angle we were sitting at, it just looked like he kept going up, up, up. And that was, that was impressive. Yeah, and I mean, at this point, like, you know, I, this might end, but it, it feels like we're getting close to a triple-double every night. Like, I didn't, I mean, what, what did he finish with last night? 19, 13, and 9, I think? Yeah, he was one assist away from triple-double. I think, I think over his last five, I think it's like 20 points, like like 12 rebounds and 9-point-something assists. Or, no, I'm sorry, 20 points, 9-point-something rebounds and 9 assists. Like, he's he's real. He's on the doorstep. I mean, the fourth quarter was really good last night, but did it feel like he he was in control the entire game last night either? I didn't think it was like a an outstanding performance for him. It didn't feel like he was, you know, forcing the issue until the very end there. And, I, and he finished I, with that line. To your point there, I think that has been the most impressive part about the raw numbers for me is that a lot of young guys, or even veteran players too, a lot of guys... Westbrook in particular, I guess I would point to, who put up big assist numbers, it's because they're just forcing play after play after play after play. Whereas Ben, even with as much of the ball as he's had, the assist numbers aren't coming from him just trying to force passes places. It's because he's making good reads. He's making smart plays whenever he has the ball in his hands. And the offense has just been clicking. Like These guys, they overpassed a little bit last night, but the team has is generally humming pretty well right now on offense, and I think he deserves the lion's share of the credit for that. Yeah, I mean the the transition pushes the passing, the athleticism. We all kind of expected that. He's scoring so much better than than I think any of us, even Kyle, who maybe expected a little more out of his scoring. He's he's attacking the rim like a guy who really has no reservation. Like there's no. No concern about stepping the foul line. There's no, uh, you know, he favors his right hand, of course, but he's getting to his spots. It's been really impressive. It's been and it's been much more impressive in the half court. I mean, look, I I talked a lot about concern of him scoring efficiently in the half court. So far, that's held true. I think he's shooting what maybe like fifty three percent on the year, which of course is a fifty three percent effective field goal percentage because he doesn't take threes. But he's, I mean, he's getting his to his spots. He's getting his shots. It's been it's been really impressive been really impressive and i mean even on those instances when you know teams are going under that screen and giving him that elbow jumper uh i again i I don't think his form looks very good right now like there's still problems with the elbow and sort of his 
you know, his uh, his hand placement on the ball. But like the fact that he's competent, confident enough to take those shots and like they are going in right now too. like that's impressive. Like that's that's a legitimate that's some legit progress. And I mean, I, I didn't really think we'd be seeing that this early. Yeah. And I mean, look, making shots, you don't have to be a knockdown mid range shooter to cause a defense to rotate. They just have to. It's I mean, it, it's it's a reaction. They have to. It takes a very conscious effort to leave a guy off a of pick and roll completely, completely open. He drills a couple of them and just a slight little bit of hesitation he can cause will open things up. It's been, it's been great. I mean, it's, it's really your outlook on the season changes. First of all, Embiid's played in seven of eight games and playing pretty good minutes. That changes the outlook on the season. We haven't hit the back to back heavy portion of the schedule yet. We'll see how that, that goes. But the fact that Ben Simmons is much more ready day one than any of us, any of us expected, you know, they're four and four right now. 40 wins is a, there's a much clearer path to 40 wins now than there was when we would have recorded our, you know, a podcast two weeks ago. Yeah. I think that the whole calculus changes when you see how good Simmons has been. And really like, I don't think he's played a single bad game yet. I think some games have been better than others, but I, most rookies you expect them to like, look at Lonzo ball. For example, he had the 29 point, uh, near triple-double against Phoenix. And then he's been all over the place. So he's had good games. He's had really crappy games where he can't throw it in the ocean. He's making Not, his teammates better from the bench, though. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Don't even get me started. Uh, but, like, that's – he – Lonzo Ball and Dennis Smith and Jason Tatum, like, those guys have performed how you would expect rookies to look. They're good rookies. I think there's a lot of talent in this class – but ultimately, they look like rookies. And so maybe you're seeing the benefit of Ben having that, that red shirt year where he's, he was just ready to go from night one and is exerting his his force on every single game. And that's really impressive out of a guy that young. Moving on to Cove. I feel like we have to talk about Cove before we get to other stuff. We need to gloat a little bit about Cove, given that we're <laughs> some of the biggest advocates for him. It is very nice that we don't have to have that argument this year of is Covington really worth keeping around? Because he's coming out, he's shooting, what, 48% from three. I think Kyle pointed out on Twitter how rare that is for the number of attempts he is. He's jacking up there every night. His defense has been good. His perimeter shooting has been excellent. I think he's doing a better job. You know, he had a nice little one dribble pull-up jumper the other day, which... Sounds really basic, but something Cub didn't have in his arsenal a couple of years ago. I still think he needs to go glass on those for them to go in, though. Yeah, which, which yeah, is his, yeah. his little weird idiosyncrasy. Um, he practices going glass quite a bit. Uh, he has looked really good. It's still an adventure, you know. I'm convinced he'll never have a jump stop or a floater. <laughs> like it just won't. It'll be an offensive foul every time or a travel. But he's he, he's he's been very good. He's a jump start. <laughs> where, where he uh, he kind of just keeps floating along, yeah. I uh, I'll continue to gloat. I remember a couple years ago at Philly Voice, me and Matt Mullen did this thing where like we ranked the twenty five best Philly athletes, and which is a ridiculous thing to do. How are you going to rank you know a a hockey goalie versus a point guard? Like it's impossible. We I had bet Joel Embiid doesn't have a great baseball swing. No, too big of a strike zone. We and and of course you know radio stations and stuff they kind of ate it up which is cool because that that was the purpose of it like and, and people were talking about it they were so mad that robert covington was 25th on that list well guess what he's he'd be way higher than that now um 
he's been great. Like his offense. I mean, it it seems like you know it was just last year he was getting booed for his. Uh, it was last year. Yeah, but it seems like a lot longer because like. God, he, he left the game and there was legit concern last night when uh when his knee was uh what do you have hyperflexion? I don't think I've ever heard that one before. Yeah, I was doing a lot of web MDing once we got that <laughs> and I could not exactly figure out what so the you're, deal you're, is. So you're 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 second level. I was just trying to figure out how to spell it. I thought I had a general idea, but I had to I had to check that. But yeah, I mean 48% for 3, he's playing the uh the 4 essentially in the Sixers offense now, which I think probably has opened up more space for him as has just the personnel of having Ben Simmons throwing him passes and defense is paying attention to JJ Redick on the perimeter too next to him, but he's been great. And, uh, you know, I, I do wonder if Colangelo, I, you know, we'll see what the negotiations are like in a couple of weeks, but it, it would be funny if he went to him and it's like, Hey, you could save a few for, uh, you know, the end of November. Well, you also wonder if they came to an agreement, if, uh, you know, one side might be rethinking what that agreement was. God, if he, he's keep, been, if he keeps playing like this, man, I mean, this is, you know, it, first it was the three. We saw that. Then that, that kind of went away. And then he, he got the D portion of the three and D. Well, now, I mean, he's excellent at both of those and at just the right time. Speaking of undrafted free agents who a previous general manager found on cheap four-year deals, <laughs> TJ has been fucking insane. And like we, we talk about, you know, why this team is playing well. And a lot of people want to attribute it to, yeah, I had people telling me that it was because JJ Redick was out. No, it's not, it's not because JJ Redick was out for two games. Um, but TJ playing over Markel Fultz, that has been a real legitimate reason for their improved play of late. He's been, he's been fantastic. He even made, I mean, he made three threes in the game, three threes. Who would have thought that TJ McConnell would be the Sixers best point guard shooter, but here we are 2017. Yeah. I mean, I don't think the shooting is sustainable at the current clip he's uh, he's at. But I will say, you have seen... So TJ, in a sense, gives you somewhat of an idea of why the Sixers wanted to go up and get Fultz in a weird way. Because having the, the dribble penetration and just the another playmaker on the floor with Ben, despite the fact that he hasn't... That, TJ is traditionally not a shooter and he's not a he's he's been good catch and shoot but he's not going to pull up and shoot. You see the difference that it makes even without shooting at that position to just have a guy who can get the offense rolling again and get guys involved and just put the defense on its heels. And that's TJ compared to like a a top caliber prospect that we we still think Fultz is but we haven't really seen it yet. Well not only that but you know, part of the reason that TJ is able to take and make threes this year is because he has about a week and a half to get some of these oh, off. Yeah. And when you have a real legitimate shooter, like hopefully the Washington version of Mark Hill Fultz is, he should be able to feast on that. Oh, that's, I mean, it's going to be ridiculous. And I think to piggyback off that, one big reason, in addition to just being wide open, that TJ is getting those open looks is Joel Embiid's passing has been much better in the last few games, especially than it has been ever. Like he had a career high six assists last night, I believe. He had one play where most of his assists have come off like very simple reads. Either it's just a cutter or there's a guy standing open in the opposite corner. He actually passed Jared Bayless open last night by forcing Malcolm Delaney to commit to somebody else at the top or at the elbow three. And then Bayless is open in the corner and Embiid skipped the bounce pass to him. And I think 
Brett talked about it a little bit during his post game last night. But if they can get to a point where Embiid is like the quarterback of the offense there on the block and he's just hitting open shooters, that is going to put way more stress on defenses and it'll cut down on his turnovers, quite frankly, if he's getting rid of the ball versus trying to dribble through two and three and four guys in the paint. That's just a, it's a, a much better move for the offense and guys like TJ and Cub and JJ and Bayless, they're all going to benefit from that. Well, here's something I just recently looked up. Um, you know, Joel's turnovers is still very much an issue for a game. Yeah. Uh, comes out to 29 total, so a little over four a game. How many of those, and this is from basketball reference, how many of those do you think have come off of the pass? Very few. I would say like one or two. Five, but okay. very few. Yeah. Five out of 29 is a really low rate. And by the way, like I bet you a couple of those passes too are not like looking to score. Like They're just like general lazy passes at the top oh, of the key. He had a couple, He has at least two or three where he split two wing shooters and it just went between them. And they're like, they had no idea who it was to. Uh, that's why having five doesn't surprise me. Very low number. It's it's dribbling very much, but he is. I mean, his, his passing has been unreal the last few games. Well, remember unreal. last year too? He did not pass beginning of the year. Yeah, that was we were, and then he he starts doing it, and now it's like it's slowly becoming a strength almost. The the pass he threw to TJ, I think it was in Houston, where he just threw that freaking. He caught it right away too. So like, I'm not even sure like if this is like what what uh, brown talks about with like quarterbacking it just seemed like he kind of saw him open but oh my god he caught it right away and just threw a freaking bullet to tj and i tj wasn't quite as open as he usually is like he he was open but he was like i have to shoot it that pass was so good i, I, yeah. I have to fire it and to just get back to tj i mean he's pretty much he's minus 0.7 net rating think about how many minutes he played with faults that were a disaster it was, well, it was, it was first four or five games he was real bad and the last three or four games he's been you know he, he he's been a real boost every night he's been on the court and he's just like you know it's you know it's the intangible things that he brings like he just brings a toughness to the team and everybody likes him and you know he's like you know he's a major part of this team and it'll be interesting to see like when they get Fultz back like you can't take this guy out of the rotation. How right? can you not play TJ? How can you not play him? Yeah, I think I think this was on the deleted portion of the. We we've had a, a <laughs> doozy of a of a week and a half trying to record a podcast. Hopefully, there's not a trade while I we're recording they, this. They'll release Jaleel right when we finish this. I know it. And it, by the way, if they do, I'm just saying fuck it. And I'm releasing it anyway. But there was a, a story relayed to me by a fan that was at a game, and it was you know Simmons going in for a drive. He missed the layup. And at the next time out, TJ pulls him over and says, dunk that fucking shit. And this is your <laughs> undrafted 6-1 point guard getting up in the face of the number one overall pick. Not like 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 admonishing him, but, you know, forcefully telling him, you know, that he needs to dunk that next time and, and take it to the rim strong. And he's telling that to face the franchise number one overall pick guy who had a documentary done about him while he was in college. Like that, that takes a certain set of confidence and leadership to do that and tj certainly has it i like i try to avoid using all those stupid cliches when it comes to tj that like, get assigned to players yeah. of his arch type but bauman like, despised him yeah. for like a year for that yeah and by well, the, and, hey hey and by the way he's wrong yeah, yeah. he is wrong he's he, wrong T admit TJ, that mike bauman i mean this is what kyle was gonna say tj's that 
stereotype, but it's but he, true. But yeah, it, it's actually true. Like he's a guy that on offense, he knows where his spots are. Like the the only shots you're really seeing him take are he shoots that little leaner from about 10, 12 feet out. He takes layups and he takes wide open threes. Well, he's got that NHL 94, like run around the rim and shoot a right. baseline too. Yeah. yeah but that, I mean, look, he has like three or four shots that he takes. And other than that, he has his head up and he's looking to get other guys involved. And that, no, I, I stand next to TJ and to this day I go, you can't play in the NBA, dude. Like you can't, you just, you can't no, compete crazy. in the NBA. There's no way you should be able to do this. And he goes out there and he's a, you know, he's a legitimate backup point guard. And he no gave question. James Harden like real problems in the games they played, which that's, that's a that's crazy. I forget I forget who did this, but it was I think it it, it might have been it might have been Spike and Mike. But they asked, you know, if you had to play any one any NBA any Sixers player one on one, who would it be? And you know, it's a game to eleven or whatever. But the catch is that for every two inches that they're taller than you, you get a you get a point. So like Joel's a foot taller than me. I would start off with you know six points, and and you'd lose eleven six. Exactly. Like, there's no way I'm scoring on on Joel, and there's no way I'm stopping Joel. So, okay, I'm not. My your second reaction kind of goes to TJ. I don't know if I'd get 11 dribbles off of TJ. Like, he would pick my pocket no, so quickly. You would have no fun. chance. Um, his like his combination of strength and quickness is underrated. He's you know he's not not much of a a vertical athlete, but like he you know he is really strong and he really holds his ground. Like. In terms of stopping ball handlers and, and without fouling too, yeah. it's not he doesn't use his arms. It's just that's all core strength. All right, Rashawn coming back. He he has been out. Uh, he's scheduled to make his debut on Friday. You know, I think a lot of people look at the defensive struggles that the Sixers have had when Joel's been on the bench, which are still very real, and think that Rashawn's going to fix them. Not sure. I'm not. I'm not going there. We've we've discussed Rashawn's struggles defensively quite a bit, but what I do think is offensively, he'll give them a, a spark off the bench. He's got a connection with TJ. I think he's going to have one with Ben. And like Brett was saying today, you know that that's a guy when he rolls, he's going for the dunk. And with his athleticism, that I mean that will open up not only that that play for Rashawn, but open up room for shooters too. I, I it will be nice to get him back. Yeah, I mean, offensively, he's going to be a big help because I don't think there's a bigger difference in skill set between two players competing for a position than him and Amir Johnson. Like Amir Careful, Johnson, Rich, Amir might get at you on Twitter. He might. Uh, Amir's finishing ability at the rim, it takes him like five minutes to to get a shot up at the basket. Rashawn's the exact opposite. Like he's super quick off his feet. He's almost better than Joel at that. Um, defensively, though, like. Over the last couple of games, I will say, like, Amir has been in pretty good He's been position. Better. He's yeah. been much better. And, and I, I, I think I would, like, you know, if you're sort of divvying out the minutes here, I would tend to give Rashawn, tie goes to him. He's the younger player. I think he has more upside. But, like, what Rashawn has not proven in his first two years is that he's always in the right place defensively. Like, he'll get the nice block that'll uh, excite the crowd but he'll miss the three pick and roll coverages before it that'll give up, you know, two, two threes on this. Well, plays. and the reason for the nice block is because he was out of position yeah. to begin with. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what, uh, what this really means is that, that, uh, you know, that center that the Sixers are stubbornly trying to hold on to, to reap value from, he's not even playing when Joel sits now. He's, he's way back. He's yeah. Way back. So I'm 
very much excited to see Ben and Rashawn because I think in Summer League when they play together, obviously all caveats about Summer League apply here, but they just they have a skill set that that meshes very well. Ben is going to drive and he's going to look for his big man. And I mean, he's been good at trying to get a mirror of the ball close to the rim. But there's a big difference when you have to throw a lob just to get the guy the ball on the floor versus you're throwing that ball expecting him to dunk it. And that's what's going to happen with Rashawn Holmes. I think that's that makes life easier for Ben. It puts pressure on the interior of defenses. And hopefully the, uh, the attention that's going to get will, will open up shots on the perimeter too. With the mirror, you have to throw the lob so he can post up. <laughs> Rashawn, you could just throw the lob for him to dunk it. <laughs> yeah, he'll he'll catch it, turn around, nice little hook shot if everything goes smoothly. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it's. I mean, it's not an insult to Amir because I mean the last the last yeah. couple games he actually has been pretty effective both as a rebounder and a what was and it, like a scorer five for inside. Eight last night, something yeah. like that. He was, he's he was he's fine. a good offensive he, rebound. He almost had another there. double double. I think he had twelve and eight or something like yeah, that something last like that. night. Yeah. So look, that's you can't ask for anything more out of him right now but he's a different style of player at the position a little bit a little bit um and by the way talk talking about these two guys really does i mean it really does cement the point that like what are we talking about with jaw like oh for sure what what are we talking like these guys are both better than him i mean i i think ultimately if if jaw was released our only complaint would go well that was a good way to waste resources for a year and a half that's it that that's my only focus on jaw right now it's Whatever. Um, all right, looking ahead, because for the first time in what feels like an eternity, certainly since we've been doing these podcasts, games kind of matter, and you look forward to games. They're now at 4-4, four and four, and the next week they have three games. They got the Pacers at home, and then the Jazz and the Kings on the road. Can we be talking in a week that they're an above 500 team? I would be disappointed if I were them if we weren't talking about an above 500 team on a Saturday morning. So... Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, like, look, you know, then it gets a little harder with Golden State, but a little bit, a little bit, but you know, like, yeah, like, I don't know if they can keep this going. Like, like we said, like, if you take away the Toronto game, they have been better than a 500 team right now. They got really unlucky in that Houston game and the Boston game. They were still trying to figure out what the hell was going on with everything. Like, they have the talent to absolutely be above 500 in a week. Um, Will they, you know, like, look, it's still a young team. Like I'm, I'm, re- I'm getting ready for the Ben Simmons game where he shoots like three for 13, yeah. with five turnovers. And yeah. that's going to happen. And it's, you know, maybe it doesn't because, you know, I, I'm prepared for anything with him, but like, yeah, I'm, I'm prepared for some missteps here, but like, yeah, I would be, supr- I would, I would expect for them to win a couple of these games here and, and be in decent shape coming off that road trip. I think they had every reason to believe they should be on a six-game winning streak heading into that Golden State game. Those the, the three teams they play, Indiana, Utah, and Sacramento in the interim, if they believe they're a playoff team, and those guys very clearly think they are, they have to beat teams like that. They are better than all three of those teams, I think. I like I just there's no other than they're young like you said Rich, I am expecting I was honestly sort of expecting a, a bad Ben game last night because it seemed like a natural letdown game after they beat Houston. But they have every reason to believe they should come out of the, the next three games with three wins. There's no reason they should lose to any of 
Indiana, Utah, or Sacramento. That's it's it's not a question to me. Yeah, I mean they have some interesting matchup. The Pacers five and three, which nobody predicted. Right now, owners of the league's fourth best offense, which if that holds true, I'll be stunned. And even their their eighteenth ranked defense, I expect to drop considerably. I don't think they have the personnel to to withstand that. And then you have the Jazz, second best defense in the league, twenty sixth best offense. I mean that's a team that. Embiid and company should be able to really limit, and then the Kings are the Kings. I mean, they're 29th and 24th. They, that that should be, a, barring something weird with travel, a road game, young kids, whatever, that should be a win for sure. I, I would like two out of three out of that stretch. Uh, Utah is 5-0 and at home. Like, that's that's not the easiest game in the world, but again, not not a juggernaut team, bad offense. Like, again, if, if Embiid comes to play, like, that's a game they definitely can win. And the other two teams, I mean, like like you said, I'm not buying Indiana. Like they should they should win two or three here, and you know th- their start. Remember we, what were we talking about for their start? Like we were like if they can just sort of hang on yeah. and get into January, and it's like th- they're doing more than that right now, which is impressive. Yeah, and I mean they got a going off off memory. I think they have a pretty easy December too, so they can if they can with you know tread water during this uh you know early road heavy portion of the schedule. It's off to a good start. It's off to a good start. All right. Anything uh, Anything else really quickly to bring up now that we're pretty far into it? We actually got to talk some basketball, which is great because we haven't always gotten to do that. But Nah, I mean, I'm just like everyone waiting for Markel to get back so we can actually see if the real Markel Fultz will stand up or not. Yeah, we'll see. Well, I don't know when that's going to be. I have no I The whole situation table, is no strange. Idea. Yeah, I don't. Just shooting in the dark here. Or maybe not shooting in the dark, but be the... Uh... Taking left-handed layups in the dark. Yeah. Um, you're, you're, I think when you, you said this when we did the um, season preview pod, it's like trying to guess when, when Ben Simmons was coming back next year. We can we can give you some completely made-up bullshit, but I've, I have no idea. No idea. It would be great if, if one of these days we'd come to practice. He's doing stuff. You post a video of him whipping out you know left-handed passes and layups and Great to see him shoot a jumper. Great to see him shoot a jumper. Doubt you're going to. Not for a while. All right. Thank you guys for jumping on. We'll talk to you soon. Have a good one. See you guys. You've been listening to the Sixers Beat right here on LibertyBallers.com and LibertyBroadcast.co.